Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sports Rundown. I am your host out of left field today. It's, yeah, changing it up. It's the real Greg Off. It's OG here hosting. I actually have the Broski Pat Bro in as a guest. Yeah, isn't that strange? We're changing up. See, I think there's two reasons for doing this. One, you know, you've got a burgeoning here career here at KQIL. You're getting your 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 start here this semester. Cutting my teeth right here. Yeah, and you're doing a really good job. So we figured we'd give you a, a shot at hosting the show this evening and in a selfish way, I miss being in this seat. I miss oh, yeah. kind of just being a respondent on the show. You know, sometimes I, I enjoy running the show, but every once in a while it's nice because you can just kind of go off the hinges a little bit on the panel. Yeah, I feel like as the host, your job is mainly to keep it on the rails. Yes. Keep everyone off from going off on the tangents, which I know I'm very prone to doing. So, yeah. And we'll it's see. a one-on-one show this evening, so I can really just start. I can say some yeah, wild stuff. Yeah, we can be rambling. We might not make it past the first topic for all yeah. we know. Who knows? We but, can do uh, an hour on that. Yeah. But without a doubt. So we got the little bit of a Warrior weekend preview here. Yep. I know we got, we have girls' basketball, women's basketball is taking on Upper Iowa Saturday. So is the men's team. Yep. That'll be my first game behind the booth. Super, super. Is it the booth when you're at uh, basketball or do you call, you, you what do you call, call it? You would call it courtside. 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 My first Ooh, game courtside. Like yeah. First game courtside sounds so much better than yeah. being. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, But so you said the, the men will take on Upper Iowa as well Saturday. Yep. And then Sunday, do you know who the opponent is? Um, not off the top of my head. I I want to say I thought it was Mankato. I thought we played them really early in the year this no, season. I'm I not 100% actually don't sure. think there's a Sunday game, Greg. You don't think there's a Sunday I'm, game? Just I'll, Saturday? I Yep, I think there's just two just Saturday, Saturday games. All right, well, for sure, come on down to the McCown Gymnasium. Come oh, check yeah. Out, come it, check out both teams. Um, I think we got something special brewing for both of the, both. <laughs> programs right yeah, now you know what's are really on the cost. What's interesting is both of these teams are experiencing what I would like to consider a youth movement right now. So if, sure. you're, if you're looking at the, the women's team and the men's team, both of them graduated one lone senior last year. Um, on the women's side of the ball, you lose a, a dominant force in Hannah McGlone. She scored a thousand points in her career and she was mostly known for playing from the block. <laughs> I mean, she was a post player who scored a thousand points in her career, which is Unreal yeah, to think to about. Find, yeah, and uh, she was the the leader for this team. But you know, the people you're returning got a lot of experience last year. Um, you're returning the NSIC Freshman of the Year in Allie Pickrain, who for crying out loud has the best shot I've ever seen in my life. That thing she, is pure. She's like Trey Young. Yeah, she is like Trey Young. That's immediately it's what I nothing think. Nothing but of. nothing but net. You've got Gabby Dowd, who's been a force in the post, as well as Rachel Novotny. She's as tall as it can get. I mean, she's going to be a force down low as well. And then you've got, you know, a gang of shooters like Emily Keek, uh, who a sophomore along with Allie Pickering this year is going to pick up a bigger force this year. So for this women's team, you know, last year, if you're looking at them in January, they're the best team in the NSIC. But then in the month of January itself, they go on a 10-game losing streak. Unfortunately, they kind of went with the highs and lows of Hannah McGlone last year. Mm. That's kind of the problem with having one senior, right, is your leadership is right. one person. You know you what I mean? You kind of have to ride them. You know, it's kind of like watching Cleveland last year. When LeBron was down, the Cavs were down. Exactly. You know what I mean? So 100%. that's kind of what we're dealing with the, with the women's team last year. But this year, I mean, they're going to be so dynamic on offense. And they run that full-court press on defense, and they, they steal. I mean, that's what they love to do, yeah. and they're going to continue to do it. Now, looking at the men's side of the ball, they've completely changed the way they play offense, and it is fun to watch. So with the with Kevion Taylor being who Kevion Taylor is, he's going to be playing under the basket and on the block a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be playing a lot like the Milwaukee Bucks this year, and they're shooting a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. So Caleb Wagner, Devin Whitelow, Tommy Getke, all those guys, you're going to see them pull up from three a lot. I mean, this team scored 106 points on St. Mary's. Yes, it's St. Mary's, but... 106, 106, points, 106 points. points. Yeah, in 40 minutes of basketball, scoring 106 points is not too shabby. Yeah, no, without a so, doubt, you can't complain. So that's another team with a youth movement, you know, with 
Devin Whitelow only being a sophomore, and I think he's going to have a breakout season this year. And Caleb Wagner is just, I mean, as a junior, is is going to light up the NSIC this year. Yeah, and I could when I went, I only saw a handful of games mm-hmm. last year, but watching Devin Whitelow play, you could tell. He's got like, handles. He's got handles, and he's got that chippiness to him. I yep. know last year he was wearing the face mask during yep. a few games. I'm not sure if he's still rocking the Rip Hamilton look he anymore. He is not. He is I not. Don't think he, he broke his nose in the middle of a game, strapped it on, and finished the game. Yeah, that is yeah. first he, team all savage move right yes, there. Yes, and what's what's interesting about him is he is he plays like an Allen Iverson in the way he handles the ball. But he is such an unselfish, unselfish distributor of the basketball and gets it out to everybody. And in this fast-paced, Golden State-esque offense that Todd Eisner is going to run this year, you need a distributor, and he's going to be that guy this year. Without a doubt. Let's, uh, let's hop right into some segments, Pat. What do let's you say? do it. Let's do it. So I was, I was awoken to this morning to the wonderful sounds of you know Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Colin yep. Cowherd. And a big topping point today was that LeBron no longer listens to Luke Walton. It yeah. doesn't seem to be new news. No. You know, we knew he doesn't listen to Ty Lue. Obviously, he didn't listen to David Blatt. No. You know, you can kind of trace it back throughout his whole career. Once it stops working, LeBron's going to do what LeBron does. Yeah. Um, and it had me thinking, outside of LeBron and Kobe, who else has been able to do that move? Because even if you yeah, look back in the 80s and 90s, there was a different level of respect for your coaches back there then. There was. There was. Until... I, until like Latrell Sprewell choked out PJ Carlissimo. Yeah. You know, coaches were these revered characters. Like the coach, he came first, and then players were always, you know, kind of below. And now we see those greater players are often greater than the coach. The coach. So I was try I was raking my brain trying to think I of really, who else I can I really can't who can get away with it. It, it and I I thought, you know, when you sent me this question, I thought about who, if in today, could do this. <laughs> and I don't even think Jordan would have done this because he was so perfect for the triangle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just made sense with his game to play that style of basketball. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't think I, I don't think it would have been Jordan with Phil Jackson because I think that worked. Um, I think Shaquille O'Neal could have done it. Without a doubt. Uh, playoff Shaq, not early season fat Shaq. Right, but playoff Shaq definitely could have done it because he's a system breaker. The first um, person who came to mind is, I think Steph Curry can just because yes. he's a cheat code as is. Yes, I agree He's like, that. Yeah, you want to run this? Yeah, hold on. I'm just going to step yeah, Russell right Westbrook here. is a guy who kind of does it right now. Yeah, to the absolute detriment of yes. his team. They were talking about him and how he can't do it. And for the love he of He shouldn't me, do it, but he does it. I can't. If, Russell Westbrook, has anyone fallen off as being as beloved as he was? And then his when once KD left, I feel like his his uh, that his, summer he was hot. He was he was super yep. hot and he was super well liked. I feel like amongst yep. fans, he was one of the most exciting players to watch yep. that triple double year. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and now, you know, we see Carmelo gets run out of town. Yeah, we see this rotating cast now. Just you know, Victor Oladipo is an All NBA mm-hmm. player for the Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. And was irrelevant playing alongside Russell Westbrook. It's crazy when you can see how his attitude about he wants to enhance his own stat sheet affect other players. So when you watch, you know, there is, you can watch a highlight reel and you can look it up on any internet source you want. I don't know if people still use like break.com. YouTube is mm-hmm. the place to be. Um, but where he goes up for a rebound after a free throw and the rest of the team scatters away from it because they know that he wants to finish a, a double double or a triple double for or sure. something like that. And for someone someone like Russell Westbrook who is so selfish, I, I don't know. I think it's going to hurt his all-time legacy. I think if he continued to play like he did in that triple double season with a little at least a little bit of an inkling of he wanted to be part of a team and win a championship, I yeah. would say 
maybe he could continue to be the guy he is, but he has just gone so, like, I'm a stat sheet guy just trying to chase, like, the James Harden effect right now, and I don't think he can do it. I was reading something on The Ringer, and they were talking about how LeBron should stop shooting technical free throws because he's such an inefficient free throw shooter. He is a bad free throw shooter. And they also mentioned in that article how Russell Westbrook decided that he was going to stop taking the technical free throws, not because he you know, wanted someone else, someone mm-hmm. else he felt was a better shooter. He felt that he had a better chance to secure rebounds. These are technical free throws. Oh, my God. That That is the definition That's of trying Russell to Westbrook. stat stuff without yeah. the, like, it's impossible. It's Russell. completely it's impossible. impossible. There's Russ. no way you can. You're so far away from the basket, <laughs> buddy. It's not real. Oh my goodness. Even if you try, they'll, prob- they'll probably shoot you down. Yes. Even if you're running there, you're, yeah. it's not going to be good it, for you. That makes no sense. Yeah, you know, the thing about uh, going back to LeBron here, and I don't know, Luke Walton, and it seems like he's the enemy of the state in L.A. right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... I feel like that's how every kind of LeBron coach becomes over time. Yeah, though. I agree. Because I thought Luke Walton was going to be like, oh, he's... I thought for sure he was going to have the Sean McVay effect yeah. over there, and granted, you, ca- you can't really have that yeah. instant effect like you can in football. Um, but I definitely thought he was going to be a guy who LeBron would instantly like, oh, former player, recently out of the league. Like, I figured he was going to gel with him yeah. right o- right away. But uh, clearly not. I, I want to know if LeBron was allowed to pick the head coach, like in his perfect scenario. If Magic's who it like, would be. Right? Because he couldn't play for sense. Popovich. No, it has to be a puppet, he's, right? Yeah, he's much too selfish. He would... He, you can't have two captains steering the He ship. has to literally have his hand up the rear end of whoever he's coaching. That's why him and Ty Lue worked. Yeah, and I was thinking, I feel like Jason Kidd, for a lot of Bucks fans, would Jason Kidd and LeBron work? Uh, you know, Jason Kidd and LeBron could work uh, because you could see at the end, Giannis had his hand on the throat of, exactly. of Jason Kidd. And Giannis is not a kind of guy who wants to demand a lot from his coaches. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? He loves his coaching staff. He's a very old school kind of player. From his Greek heritage, so I remember when Jason Kidd got fired, and there were texts that Giannis was like, "I'll do whatever I can to get you back." Yeah, like yeah, that. that's and that's it's, so it's, Giannis. It's adorable. He's it's loyal. Adorable. He's, He's like loyal. a child. Yeah. Um, no, he hasn't been. He hasn't been spoiled by the the NBA that the current NBA players have grown up in. You know he what hasn't I mean? Had what his they heart got to see. Out yet. No, not at all. He hasn't yeah. been broken by the system yet. Yeah. Um, he had a good. He, we could say he had a good home. Yeah, yeah, he had sure. a good home. He had a good basketball home. Um, that has me thinking, though. Now that we're on the Bucks, have you seen these Bucks city jerseys? They're these great. Mecca tribute I ones? love them. You love them. I See, love I'm them. I'm a firm hater of these. Okay, because I thought there could I have like been the, more. I like the court with the jerseys. The court is phenomenal. Bringing back the court was a good move. Yeah, I think if you design a jersey around that center Mecca logo mm-hmm. from mid court, that's a much better look. Yeah, but the fact that they took like just this this one little panel. Yeah, from off the, and it's like the red square is over the left shoulder. I think it would be shoulder. too much. I think it would be too much. Here's my thing: is it it has to balance with the court as well when you're doing these city series jerseys because now every NBA team has gone to uh, revamping the court. The Bucks were one of the first ones to do it with the yes, Mecca they arena, were. Um, and having the the jerseys just amplify how cool that Mecca court is. I think that's what makes it sets it apart for me because those jerseys by themselves are gross. They are. Yeah, they're gross. They are. Um, so on those NBA City jerseys, which ones, if any, stood out to you this year? Because I think this might have been the best 
complete crop of jerseys. I there agree. Are some stinkers still. Yeah. But I think all in all, you have some you have some heaters. You got those purple rain T wolves. Uh, that's what ones. I was gonna go with because those, are, those are hot. Those are so hot. Shout out to Buck Waller who got to go to that game and get a free jersey. Ooh. Because wow. those are sick. those are super nice. Those are super nice. Um, you got obviously you have the Miami Vice ones. Those, those are, my, are gorgeous. those are my favorites. Um, I love the Bulls ones that look like the Chicago flag. I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of the black. No, I would have liked a no. white, but yeah. that's you know that's me picking hair. Still a gorgeous uniform. I got. I think the Miami Miami Vice ones though are the the coolest by far. I think the Miami Vice is probably my number three. I have the Bulls ahead of them, and I love I love the new Nuggets ones. The Nuggets ones the play are on sick the throwbacks, too. the all whites, yeah. which is the fine fine colored stripes. Yeah. I think that's. That's a really, really clear uniforms one. matter so much in the NBA too. And they, you, they do. You know what? You I can say it all you want, yeah. but it's one of the biggest. It's I feel like it's the biggest part of marketing. People, it is. It's a one whole of the biggest part social of media. People. When those jerseys come out for yeah. two, three days, Instagram. That's almost all you're going to see. You know what's people react. You know what's wild that I didn't understand is that you have to plan your jerseys two or three years ahead of time. Really? So that's why last year, if you looked at the Rams jerseys, they looked like they were like some mismatch jerseys the helmet didn't match the uniforms yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah because they didn't contact nike until like basically they got to la that they wanted to change the uniforms so they were still wearing their san diego i mean st louis tops <laughs> the gold tops but you can get pants produced and helmets produced really quickly so they had new the new pants and the new helmet but they still had the gold shoulder Right. Jersey. Yeah. And so for a, a marketing person to be able to say, this is going to be the trend in uniforms three years from now, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's no, without cool. a doubt. I was uh, I was trying to think. There was um, who the Eagles, when yeah. Chip Kelly was the head coach. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one of those seasons where they literally could not get their green jerseys for the yes. first four or five weeks because it was such a such a unique specific green. Mm-hmm. It's the o- it's the only green Nike uses for it's the Eagles only. Yeah. It gets used on nothing else, and they like didn't have the proper something yeah. to make it, so they had to wear like the just the black and white jerseys That's for hilarious. the first five weeks. You know what's interesting is my favorite Eagles jerseys ever wore 2010, the year the Packers went to the Super Bowl, the the year that Kevin Cobb was going to be the quarterback, he gets injured, and Mike Vick steps in. Mike Vick okay. comes into that game, and they're wearing the light green, the light green with the silver eagle. Wait. The wing. wing or the eagle? The silver wing, the wing on the yes. helmet. I'm like, oh, those are fresh. You know what this makes me think of, though? The My Cause, My Cleats this weekend, Ooh. where players are going to be able to wear those customized cleats for a, a cause. That is good spin zone by the NFL, who doesn't do a very good spin zone job very often. Uh, being able to turn the cleat controversy and having to find players into that, that's pretty cool. I would 100, I 100% agree with you there. I don't know if you saw Creed 2 at all. I have, yeah. Just came out. Um, did you see Cam Newton's cleats he yes. wore? Yes. The Creed, the Apollo Creed cleat with the Adonis yeah. cleat. Those were sick. I Who love- was the Bears player that used to get fined for the orange cleats back in the day? Brandon Marshall didn't wear orange cleats. He wore neon green That's cleats right. That's for right. mental health awareness. That's and they right. fined him for it. Um, but I remember also the San Francisco Giants, the pitcher Brian Wilson. He used mm-hmm. to have a beard. Yep. He did the closing celebration. He used to like the all orange cleats. And baseball is super strict about the ratios yep. you have. So he would had to end up taking a Sharpie then to his yeah. cleats before games, and he would go and check and be like, all right, more? Okay. And then just yep. chisel away at the orange until That's he That's why right baseball ratio. is never going to be America's pastime again. Without, That's part of the you reason. You can't appeal to a younger audience it's, anymore. It's old heads, it's slow, and it takes too long. And now I'm re- I was reading that um, MLB is trying to allow in-between play options for gambling. 
You're telling me oh that's not going to slow the game down even more? God. That's going to sl- I think they they tried to appeal to the younger audience by trying to speed up this yeah. game. I think they're going to revert right around and yep. be like, yeah, you know, we're not going to get this younger audience, but we can make a lot Let more money if we just slow it back down. Yeah. I just, God, I don't know. The thing about just baseball right now is I think there's going to be a generation that dies and baseball is going to get saved. That's my, uh, I think in 20 years, baseball will be fine. But right now there's too many old heads in baseball. I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. I think, uh, Get the baby boomers out of here. For real. And this is the only time where I'm ever like, all right, let's get you guys out of here, but let's get you guys out of here. I think with that, and you can tell by the Hall of Fame voting. That's oh, the, you can that, 100% only, tell by the Hall the of Fame. It's the only vote. league that's being held back because the writers have such a different mindset than yes. everyone else associated with the sport. Yeah. Like, okay, get Pete Rose in there. Yeah, get Pete Rose in there. Get Bar- Just put Barry Bonds, put McGuire, just put them in. Put the asterisk on. I don't care. Yeah. I don't really just care. Just put them in. They deserve if, their day. I mean, if you went and looked, Bonds, if you took out his 10 most roided up seasons, yeah. is still statistically like the, one of the top but, two hitters he, in baseball. Yeah. he was. He's still a freak. He's still a phenomenal player. To steal to steal a line from Daniel Tosh, like then take Babe Ruth out because he couldn't play when black people were allowed to play baseball. You know You're what I mean? 100% right. You're 100% right. You can't keep moving the goalposts here. Yeah, exactly. If they were getting away with it, you can't, you know, be like, oh, well, back then we didn't care, but now we do. Now we care. No, No, that's not. Oh, my God. Baseball. You can't do that. I could go on for hours. All right. All right. I'll kick it away to a little break. We will be right back with Patrick Bro here on the Sports Rundown on 89.5 KQAL. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. I'm one out of every four children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. I'm lucky to grow up where I could be whatever I want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I'm Randy Cohen, host of Person, Place, Thing. Nearly every food culture that built our immigrant nation has a donut equivalent. And for writer Peter Larangis, nothing beats his Greek grandmother's lukamates. They were so light and they, you know, they didn't taste greasy. They tasted kind of like sweet air. <laughs> the sweet fried dough of many lands on our next broadcast and on the podcast at personplacething.org. Surprising stories from great talkers. Person Place Thing, Wednesdays at 1235 on 89.5 KQAL and streaming online at kqal.org. And welcome back to the Sports Rundown here on 89.5 KQAL. I am your host, the real Greg Off, a.k.a. OG, joined by the broski, Patrick Bro. And Pat, let's jump in. Uh, we were talking about LeBron earlier. We were talking yep. about uniforms earlier. Uh, first ballot lock for the Hall of Fame, first team all uniform, is uh, is the Monstars uniform as well as the Toon Squad uniform. Would I you agree. agree. Yeah, those are all, all timers. Listen, if they can make it into every Halloween for the past six years... Without uh, a doubt. Without a doubt, they're they're a lock. They're a <laughs> I lock. Mean, and they, every tool in every frat in America has one of those jerseys. I was you guys just, ruined it. I was you just going to say it. the worst thing is when I see someone downtown with a two and squad jersey. Yeah, now. like come on. It's you're ruining the innocence to me. Yes. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. And Bugs Bunny 
would not be throwing back fireball shots at no, Gabby's. No, listen, TKE brother, I don't <laughs> want to see you or your Monstars jersey at all. I just don't want to see it. I've become so cynical now. I view frats almost like Globo Gym from Dodgeball. That's 100% what they're like. That is 100% <laughs> like, what they're like. Anytime they do any kind of promotion, I just picture the little We Will Rock You hiss yes. thing they, they do. I don't trust anybody that has to pay for their friendships. Uh, Pat, that's that's the truest thing you've ever spoken. It's the nail on the head. That yeah. is... Uh, it, I cringe. I cringe at that in the Barstool Winona State videos sometimes. That is the worst. I don't I, know who I'm a runs huge that. stoolie, and Me I too. have been hunt. I've wanted to know who has run that just I because I'd love to confront them and be like, "You've ruined the brand, bro." Yeah, who are you? Yeah, who are you? Because I've tried to find it out too. Like I've been it's very embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. The <laughs> captions are awful. It's brutal. I feel like uh, you ever see in Talladega Nights, Ricky yeah. Bobby is running around the track on yeah. fire, and Cal Dotton Jr. yells out, "He's like Ricky." You're embarrassing me, man. That's how I feel every time it stumbles upon any kind of my social media. Yeah, and I follow it too just because I hate watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you kind of have to. I don't follow it, but I have to do like my weekly. All right. When they start talking about Winona State football, I just roll my eyes. Yeah, or like like you you get a sig towel can't hang. That was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) No one cares. And listen, for those of you who are listening, the fraternity scene at Winona State University is unlike most, where it is, they're they're isolated. How many are there? There's three of them. Wow. Yeah, there's TKE, and you know what? Let's just do it. I'm going to rip these fraternities right now. I don't let's, really care. Let's yes, let's burn the bridges. Yes. It's uh Sig Ta- it's Sig Ta- It's TKE Sig Tau and uh Kappa Nu, which is formerly known as Pi Lamb, which I'm pretty sure got kicked off of campus because of some sort of tax evasion scheme. Tax evasion? Yeah. I thought I was waiting for the for hazing to get tax no, evasion. White no, collar were... white collar crimes yeah. on the one of the state campus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in their crappy house and their crappy parties and like Freshman girls go to your parties during welcome week, and then they never go again, and that's how it works. Oh, my goodness. I I do not know why you would come to an honest state if you're about the frat life. If you're genuinely yes. serious and you want to do it, go do s- it right at least. Yes. Go to, go the, to Iowa. Yeah. Go to, go go to, to the U. Go, go to, to Madison. Big Ten school. Go, yes. Uh, yeah. Go somewhere big. You can get in here. You can get in there. Like, it's don't, not- Don't think that because you're a schmuck that you can come to a smaller school and- Elevate yourself to celebrity status well, or here's something. The, here's the thing. The need for a fraternity on the Winona State campus is not there because, one, the police force is very lax, and two, the five blocks surrounding campus are all student housing. So there is no need for a house in which parties take place because everybody has a house that can have a party. Yeah. And I feel like, it, especially here, I've found that once you're of age, yeah. the house party scene dies. It dies very, very fast, very painful death. Yes. I mean, even if you're, you know, you know, God forbid you have a fake ID out, you know, prior yeah. to turning oh, 21. Yeah. Who would ever do that? Not yeah. I, said the fly. Yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. It's not like I already looked the part prior to. Me too. It's not like I look like a 35-year-old <laughs> eighth grader. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I mean, I just don't under, I don't understand it. I don't understand the sorority side of it either. It's the just as weird to me. sorority side is just as weird. It's, it's just, just as weird. I get it's a li- okay. I would. It's okay, a little, it's a little, little less weird. It's, it's a little, a little less weird. Girls. I will say, um, the social I, aspect. I think it helps more with girls, just because girls are weird. And I they're mean, yes, and also let's be like, honest. the female, the sororities on campus are more designed towards networking and um, helping your career, yeah. which is understandable. Which is the actual reason you're supposed to be in a fraternity. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, and uh, by the way, not bashing any sort of career fraternities like DSP or anything like that. Yeah, no. Do your sure. thing. That's part of just your networking. Like, yeah. cool. I'm all about it. Like, if you're just trying to advance your career, do it. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like, help your LinkedIn profile out, dude. I don't really care. But I'm talking about the people who wear pastel. Yes. Uh, what's, what's the what's the man they, romper called? Uh, uh, romp him. Romp him. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's called. Yeah, if the people wearing pastel romp hims yeah. drinking. Bud Light Limes. Yeah, like, I don't want to see your damn Vineyard Vine sweatshirt. (laughs) Like, know where you are, first of all. Like, I grew up on the East Coast. Like, there's people who wore that unironically. That's just because it's who they are and where they're from. Like, you're wearing it because you're trying to be, like, Jordan Belfort, only you suck at math and you can't do anything. Yeah, I don't want want to turn my darty into a nardy. Yes. And no, I I don't want any cocaine that you got from your Wolf of Wall Street-inspired Happened. Yes, and that's exactly what it is. Literally what happened. It's exactly what happened. Literally. Everyone everyone saw the scene where they're playing uh, beer pong with glasses of scotch and quaaludes. It was yes. like, that is me. I it, like, <laughs> I, like, they don't understand that it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. That's not supposed to be what you're supposed to, emblematic of your life. Dude, whatever. he got his Ferrari home unscathed. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> that's awful. Awful. Oh. Martin Scorsese really created a generation of tool bags. He really did. He really did. We need... We need Another like departed or something. We need more hardos. I want yeah. I want a little bit. I need a grittier generation. We need more up. Boston we got too movies. Many softies. Yeah. We need more Boston movies. We do. I Even like good. I'll take Goodwill Hunting. Give every, me a Goodwill Hunting. Every era has the Boston movie they grow up in. You yes. have the Goodwill Hunting. You transition to the Departed. You have the town. You have other things scattered in here yep. and there. Here, girls have fever pitch with Jimmy Fallon, Drew yeah. Barrymore. For all you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this new generation they need. They, they got. Need a, they have a Boston esque movie in Wolf of Wall Street. But but it's, it's not, not in Boston. It's, it's so not, glamorized. Yes, Wolf of Wall Street makes everything he d- does look like it's the greatest thing Ever. on the face of the earth. And I'm sure it was fun. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure those lemon quaaludes that took two hours to I'm kick in. I'm sure it was a great time. <laughs> Steve Man. <laughs> I'm sure all of that was fun, but it ended up ruining his life. Yeah. So and he ended up losing all his friends, like the, his wife, lo- his kids. Yeah, and he's a dirty rat. Yeah, no one talks about that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Belfort just ratted out everybody he ever worked with, and it was all his idea. People, people forget this. Did you know Tim Allen is a rat? Tim Allen, no, the voice of Buzz Lightyear was a cocaine smuggler in the '90s, prior to all the home improvement, what, and all that stuff. Yes, he's a hardcore conservative too. Yes, Tim Allen, yeah, blew my mind, blew my mind. But wow. yeah, he's he's done interviews about it. One hundred percent true. Wow, it's nuts. that's nuts. insane. Um, to wheel this one back on track. Yes, let's get back. Here. We, we were ranting, but we I'd, we started I'm off. So okay with, with no, it. but yeah, we started off talking about Toon Squad uniforms. Um, that's how we got here. Because Space Jam Two, I'm a firm believer. Space Jam One is a nostalgia fest. It's fun. It's doesn't hold up as well. If you've watched it recently, it really doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it's still fun. It still has its funny moments. I'll still laugh Bill during Murray it. Bill Murray, it has a good message. Yeah. yeah. Um. Space Jam 2. Is Space Jam 2 going to be any good, Pat? Um, I don't think if it's marketed at our generation, it will be garbage. But if they make it for kids, it will be good. For the kids? Yes. Yeah, don't, I agree. Don't make it for me. Like, don't make... Like, I feel like Disney's doing this right now where they're making movies for 20-year-olds. And, like, I'm all about the new Lion King. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's been, like, a string of these movies, like Beauty, Beauty, and, the Beauty and the Beast. Dumbo. I right. don't care. They continue these, to do this yeah. over and over again. They're just remaking their, the movies that they made in the 90s that our generation loved. And that way they can have a dual-marketed audience. If they make Space Jam with LeBron just for kids, I'm all about it. Do it. Yeah. 
And I read, just, I read the. But does the Looney Tunes resonate with kids now? That was the point I was just gonna make. I was like, do kids know the Looney Tunes? Like, yeah. sure, you might know Bugs Bunny. Yeah. I feel like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck might transcend, and then Tweety Bird. Yeah. Is one of those weird things that gets thrown on like keychains and like and, Walmart clothing and, and bad tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. She's one of those things that kind of transcends it too, but. I don't think kids would know any other Looney Tunes. I don't think so either. I don't think they've, it's going to resonate. They've, they're kind of politically too, incorrect. It's too violent they for were, kids. They were phased out. Yep. You know, I feel like Baby Looney Tunes was probably the last thing I really remember. That where is they were probably relevant. the last thing that they made. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, and then Looney Tunes back in action with Brendan Fraser, Brendan which Frazier. is a bad movie but a good movie at the same time. I would agree with that. It's funny. I, it is. Yep. It is. Um, but it's got a National Treasure s quality to it. It does. Yeah, it does. Um. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think in terms of sports movies, I'm not sure if it would be relevant with kids today. Um, now, if they have a crossover movie with a different kind of animated character and a football, basketball, baseball star, I think it could work still. I agree with that. I agree with that. Michael Jordan is such a unique figure, though, because he was the American lexicon of basketball at the time, too. Yeah. So I, I don't think you could... I don't know. I don't think you can do it. I was just going to say, so who... LeBron's obviously the lead. We already know this. Yeah. Who are his heels, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah who, who are the players the that gets, Who becomes the Monstars? I think you wait a couple years, you have Zion in there. You have Zion. Uh, yeah. I think it's too early on Zion, because they're already doing... They've got, I think they've started production. Have they started production? They've started production okay. because they've tweeted out like the cast. They've tweeted out some stills and stuff. They tweeted out like a Bugs locker, a LeBron locker, and then whoever's okay. directing it. I think Ryan Coogler or something okay. is directing it. Um, um, let's see. Let's go Steph. Yeah, you we'll have to go. Steph I think there. Steph and Kyrie are probably probably who you both go with guards because yep. I think the history with LeBron and Kyrie and Kyrie being Uncle mm. Drew, as long as that relationship is still good, which I think LeBron and Kyrie still yep. have a relationship. They do. Um, Giannis as your big man. Yeah, I think Giannis. Would, I think Boban. That could be a good be one a really too. Good big yeah, man. just making him obscene because yes. that, the there was the one guy I forget his I can't even think of his name, mm-hmm. but the blue monster. Yes, he was the dopey looking one. He made all the uh, the pot references, if yes. I'm not mistaken. He did. Um, I, there's got to be one guy who's a little bit more low key. I feel like you got to agree with just that. One little low key guy. I think Boban would be perfect, but. I feel like you could just do the entire Golden State Warriors you this could time do around. The entire too. Golden State Warriors, yeah. Because Draymond's perfect, KD is perfect, Boogie's perfect. Clay's the only one who really doesn't make sense, and you could just no. make Clay the silent assassin. Type. Yeah, like he doesn't even have to say anything. Yeah, no. But if we're gonna pick guys from around the league, I would say Giannis, Kyrie, Steph, and we need one more. We need a forward. Kawhi. Kawhi, maybe. I don't I know. Think you make Kawhi a robot. Kawhi with could the laugh. be a robot. That'd be hilarious. With That's claws. a good one. I think, yeah. They will never be able to recreate, though, like Charles Barkley and all those guys in the hospital and then in the psychiatric ward. Those are some of the funniest scenes I have ever seen in my life. I'm really curious to see how modern-day athletes would act in it because yes. there was a certain charm yes. about Jordan and them. Because you didn't know them. Yeah. There wasn't NBA Twitter where you visible. could get yeah. into their lives, but now you know them. Who do you cast as Bill Murray and um, Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell is Will Bill Ferrell Murray. Is I like Bill that. Murray. And I like who the, plays? Who's the the side Wayne guy? Yeah, Newton Wayne from Seinfeld. Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, I'm thinking he's in everything now. I feel like the Newton guy is going to end up being James Corden. He that, ends up being in like everything. James but if Corden. I had could my pick. One, yeah. Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm and Modern Family. I really just love his one. voice when he freaks out. That yelp he does. 
Yeah, you got to find someone who would be a good sidekicky kind of person, right? I think Kevin Hart being could be the Bill Murray guy. Kevin Hart could very much be the Bill Murray guy, and I think he would play perfect in that. Wow. Yeah. No, I just talked myself into that. Yeah, Kevin. So now Kevin he makes Hart, sense. I sh- he probably has a great dynamic with LeBron. I know I'm LeBron sure does. Seen on like Kevin Hart specials, he cuts yes. to him in the crowd. Um. But yeah, Space Jam 2, I just don't see any universe where it turns out to be actually good. I'm sure it'll have little bits, yep. but it's a movie you're going to walk out of the theater ultimately like, Meh. Now here's a thought. You take some guys with some anonymity, some of the guys from the 2000s, mm-hmm. and you make them the Monstars. Like who? Throw me a name out. Shaq. Okay. AI. Okay. As your small guy. Um, let's throw in, now you could probably say Mello. Because he's on his way out anyway. Um, let's add, let's add some more. If you throw in these old people, this is doing exactly what you said not to do, though, and this is appealing to us. This I, is appealing to the oldies, but it makes okay. sense for them to do. I think it makes I like sense the for idea them to do of because them going I think back. at this point they have to market it to us, right? If they're going to do it, and I think you can also market it as a lot of kids of like learning from the past. Yes, paying like an you can attack it from the angle of like appreciating where the game came from. Yeah, to a certain extent, you can What's, always play into the story because the I, narrative is going to be weird because they're not going to do it where the monsters come back, just take powers, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more of a compelling narrative yeah. behind the story. There so I'm curious to, to see what they would do with that. I'm curious to see. Also, hopefully they don't rely heavily on CGI because that did not hold up yeah. like like uh MJ being put into the basketball like yeah. being turned into the basketball that's tough to watch yeah um it is it is cool watching him stretch out across the whole court though it is cool watching him stretch always out across cold. the whole court <laughs> never will get over MJ's secret juice that's an all-time quote right there um so while we're casting movies i just i thought of this i didn't have this listed on the rundown that's okay if you had to if you had to create a sports christmas movie Who's your star, and what's the premise of the movie? Sports Christmas movie. Because huh? I randomly was thinking of this today, and I th- I think there's a lot of potential for sports Christmas movies. I think so, too, and I think you're wearing a shirt of a guy who unfortunately just had a heart attack, but I think would make a hilarious Christmas movie. We've seen him acting before in Kicking and Screaming. I think a Mike Dick uh, kind of Scroogey-like Christmas movie could work. I would 100% agree with I'm you. I'm all in on that. Mike Dick as Scrooge would be phenomenal yes he'd be phenomenal oh my god i'm just i can envision yes. in my head him just yelling at like the ghost of christmas past you can go back to 85 and like look back you're just fully pandering to me and you're just making a chicago christmas carol aren't you well <laughs> yeah now well just mike dicka being right there really sp- well and my dad's a chicago guy too so i grew up grew up with it you know what i mean but mm-hmm. even though i disdain the chicago bears <laughs> I feel like J.J. Watt has Christmas movie written all over him. I can't But not, not yeah. a full out, like a... Like, like a, a short? No, a, a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. Okay, I could see that. Like J.J. Watt is he's searching for Hallmark, love. He's got a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie look to him. He does. Yeah. Like throw him in the red sweater mm-hmm. on a Very cold winter so. day alone in his studio apartment without love. J.J. Watt's on Watt. HGH, by the way. He's got to be. He's got to be. Look at his pictures from his senior year in Wisconsin to his first year in the league. That summer. The fact that you can come back from, he broke his back last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was it a, either way, fractured, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Hurt his back real, real bad. Yeah. To the point where I probably would be still bedridden yeah. at this point. And to come back, especially at D-line, you're just getting hammered play after mm-hmm. play. Come, Your back is getting, I feel like, just compressed mm-hmm. all the time. And he's still playing at a high level. I've got to give kudos to J.J. Watt this season. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. A Christmas movie guy who could star in it wholesome guy family guy a guy who we just saw in the match and just wanted phil mickelson 
Ooh. Right? I like that. Yeah. I think big he family could, guy. I think he could make a, a big family movie. Yeah. Ooh, I like centered that. around the golf course or something. Or maybe he just spends, he's just trying to divide his life between the golf course and home. And- I see Phil Mickelson. I don't think he could be, I do not think he could be the main character. I see him playing a character like in Jingle All the Way, Phil okay. Hartman's character. Yeah, the no, I'm all about that. Yeah. I could see him playing that jolly neighbor who's way too into Christmas yes. for the main character, and it wears on him. That's who I That's who I envision Phil Mickelson more. How about this? You have two old NFL head coaches, and you remake, what's that movie with Danny DeVito? Ooh, I know which one you're talking about. Deck it was the never, halls? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I had never, I've never seen him and Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller. Yes. And I've they, never seen And it's but, basically a, a pissing contest with them yeah. and their Christmas lights. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Who could? I think, ooh, you could do like Dion and Michael Irvin or something Dion like that. Dion and Michael Irvin, not bad. Not That's, a bad move there. I'm trying to think who else you could go. I like, I, I always think of those Fox on, on those Fox analysts, like Terry Bradshaw and Michael Strahan. Yeah, yeah. Like those guys to me... Uh, like put they, Rob they, Riggle they have, in there, you know. Yeah, Frank Caliendo. Frank Caliendo, you could cast as like five different things, and you yes, can just take up half you your could. half your budget you spend on him, and then on you don't have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> you go. You're you good to go. Worry about you know what's wild about uh, uh, what's his name? Now I forgot his name. He's on Fox. He's the comic Rob Riggle. He was a Marine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, like in like uh, uh like a fully tenured Marine. Yeah, like, I could not did, picture like, him being the guy who's running you down. Yeah, like he was at like Ground Zero, and then picked up another. Like deployment at Ground Zero after 9/11 for like a year, isn't that insane? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, dang. And he like coordinated all the movement of the Marines down there. That's wild. Absolutely wild. We are going to be right back with Patrick Bro here. We are going to talk best bad quarterback. I'm you will not want to miss that. One of my favorite topics right here on 89.5 KQAL. So. I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I, I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> Tired of celebrity gossip masquerading as entertainment news? Sick of superficial box office tallies substituting for movie reviews? Tune in to Sounds of Cinema for film reviews and headlines from Hollywood and the independent scene. The program also features a wide variety of film music, from classic scores to obscure cult hits. Find out more about the show at soundsofcinema.com. Sounds of Cinema airs every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. here on 89.5 KQAL and online at kqal.org. Welcome back to the Sports Rundown here on 89.5 KQAL. I am your host, The Real Greg Off, a.k.a. OG, joined again by Patrick Bro, a.k.a. The Broski. And Pat, we're going to talk some bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Because I was uh, I was reading a feature today talking about how now we have Colt McCoy, yep. we have Nick Mullins, we have Jeff Driscoll, we have Chase Daniel starting for my beloved Bears. We've you got get a lot that of this no- time of year. Yeah, we've got a lot of these no name guys, and really this year I feel like compared to years past, we have a lot of guys who are like ha- have not thrown NFL passes, like Nick Mullins and Chase Daniel, yeah. 
who have very limited passing in their career. And Jeff Driscoll just came in for the Bengals last mm. week for Andy Dalton. Obviously a, a failed Florida guy. He went to like Louisiana yeah. Tech and then, you know, yeah. now he's starting for the Bengals. Who have been some of your favorite bad quarterbacks who just always seem to pop up in the league? You know, it made me think about the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles, right? Mm-hmm. And then it got me going down the line of Jacksonville Jaguars quarterbacks in my head, which has been a revolving door of awfulness, right? Right. Byron Leftwich, the big left-handed, just tried to be a runner, couldn't run. Yeah. He was what? almost like Big Ben before Big Ben, He really. was very Big Ben-like in how he played. And I, I don't know why, but I always rooted for Byron Leftwich. I was like, that's going to be a guy in the league. And <laughs> see, I'm I'm right after you. I was a David Garrard See, guy. that was who I was thinking, <laughs> David too. David Garrard went one season where David Garrard threw, like, he threw... It, this is probably going to be wrong. He threw like 22 touchdowns and only three picks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he had like 3,000 yards passing with Maurice Jones-Drew, right? And I yeah. was like, Jaguars are good. They yeah. got two good. Fred Taylor yeah. was like, no one knows who he is. He was yeah. a good running back. And then Maurice Jones-Drew was taking over right. And I thought, I was like, yeah, these guys, they beat the Steelers, I think, in a playoff game. Yep. And then the Patriots ended up beating them in the divisional. But I was like, yeah, they're winning the Super Bowl. Yep. David Garrard's the real deal. I had, from Sports Illustrated for Kids, they used to give you the double-sided posters. Yep. I had a Chris Paul slash David Garrard poster in my room. Guess yep. which side was facing? Obviously, David Garrard. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, the Chris David Paul Garrard. side was pressed firmly against the closet. We never even looked at him. It and, was David Garrard. And then it made me think of two, like uh, Byron Leftwich made me think of first round draft picks who had no, no, like reason to be a first round draft pick. Like mm. they were obviously quarterback dry drafts. Brandon Whedon. Yes. Yeah, he was 20, Who drafts a 28 year he was old. 28 years old. He had played professional baseball, went the to Browns Oklahoma, are, went to Oklahoma so State. Bad. That whole entire Oklahoma State team that was like a really good football team, they all ended up being bad in the NFL yeah, that Justin year. Justin Blackman. I have a Justin yeah. Blackman jersey. I have a Justin Blackman rookie card. He I, had braces. He was so good. Yes. He was phenomenal. I remember everyone's like, yeah, Dez was good, but when Blackman comes out, yeah. Look out. Yeah. Look out because Blackman's like a better, more balanced version of Dez. Yeah. And he got couldn't... in trouble a lot. Yeah, he didn't would... know how to handle the money. Yeah, he didn't know how to handle money. And it was weird because I remember Sports Center would do these like they were the E sixties or the Sports Center specials, whatever they were, and he had a relationship with a a sick little girl who was dealing with like mm-hmm. um cancer or something of some sort. And um it just portrayed him in a light, like, wow, you know, rooting for this guy. He's like, a good guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and then he, he just yeah. got a couple DUIs and out of the league. Yeah, could, uh, that's hate tough. To, hate to see that. But when I think of bad quarterbacks, I I always go near and dear to the heart. I'd love me some Rex Grossman. I, I yeah, love. Me I was some gonna Rex bring Grossman. these guys up, but I I'll let you take this. Um, but I think one of my favorite bad QBs, and you'll probably like this one too. Uh, Jets era and late Vikings era, Brett Favre. Yes, love him yes. as a bad quarterback. Love him as a bad quarterback. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, yeah. He had that one really good year with the Vikings. Yeah, but. Yeah, the wheels like, fell off shortly the thereafter, off. and I he had an NFL mic'd up the last like five games when he was injured mm-hmm. and he was on the sidelines, and it is one of the top five funniest things I've ever watched in my life. Like he's asking dudes for that. hot dogs and cheeseburgers and stuff, and like <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, it's hilarious. It is like top five funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And and Brett Favre mic'd up is funny, but Brett Favre mic'd up not playing and he can just be himself. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Phenomenal. How about Jimmy Clausen? 
Jimmy Clausen, I don't even I don't even mess with Jimmy Clausen. He was gonna be the guy in Carolina. He only got a year, which was unfair yeah. to him. Yes. But granted, I don't trust any Notre Dame quarterback since Joe Montana. Yeah, I don't really either. <laughs> um and that was pre Brian Kelly Notre Dame. That was Charlie Weiss Notre Dame era. That is true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was a whole that different a era of Notre Dame def- football. Those were standard definition TV days. Those were standard <laughs> I, definition I didn't TV see Jimmy days. Clausen in HD. Yeah, you could see you could see the uh the pixels on the TV back in the day. Goodness How about Tommy Reese? I'm not familiar with Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese was the quarterback for the Irish. He started as a freshman. post Clausen era? post Clausen era. He started as a freshman. He won a Sun Bowl, uh, and then he went... He Malik can, Zaire, was he the one who ended up beating him out? N- so then he got beat out by, nope, the guy who they went to the national championship with, Ed- Everett Golson. But they would bring oh, Tommy Reese okay. in in only in strictly passing situations. Yes, yes that's right. So, and then it was Malik Zaire. Who stunk the joint out. Who stunk the joint out. Up and down. See, but here's the thing. In that year that Everett Golson got suspended, Tommy Reese was the quarterback again. He went to the league. He played like a game and got kicked out. Mm -hmm. He's now the quarterback's coach for Notre Dame. Wow. Brian Kelly loves that guy, apparently. Oh, you've got... Yeah. He was probably one of the few guys Brian Kelly didn't lose his mind about. Yeah. He's... uh, Tommy Reese is the guy who, in the infamous Brian Kelly swears a lot USF game, threw like three interceptions. (laughs) I... Brian Kelly, I took a visit to Grand Valley State, mm-hmm. which is where Brian Kelly coached Correct. prior to Notre Dame. Yep, there, then Cincinnati for a year, and then Notre Dame. And um, the guy who was the head coach then at Grand Valley State was Brian Kelly's like right-hand man mm-hmm. when he was there. So he says he was very similar, and from based on what I've seen of Brian Kelly on TV, he must be absolutely terrifying to play for. Because yeah, well, just in he's their so awful to, to with, quarterbacks. Yeah. He's so awful to Terrible. quarterbacks. Terrible. And I don't see why Notre Dame has kept him. If if they get smoked in this first round of the college well, football you playoff gotta, but this year, yeah. do you do you move on? No, because I think you're at such a disadvantage at Notre Dame. I think the you idea are. that Notre Dame or Stanford could ever win a national championship again is preposterous. Notre Dame just needs the perfect storm, I feel like. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame does still need the gets recruits. Storm. They still get recruits, but they get the recruits that they can get. There is very few kids out there, and let's just be honest, who are looking to get a really good education and play really good football. And they are basically split between Stanford and Notre Dame. I think if David Shaw was at Notre Dame, they might have a chance to win a national championship game from Clemson. I mean, from uh, Stanford. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I've, I've always thought David Shaw was a really good coach. I feel like they probably hit their ceiling with Harbaugh and Luck. They did. When they had him, it they was... Did. Uh, then they had a couple Toby good Gerhardt seasons. Toby Gerhardt and yeah. uh, what was his name? Tyler Gaffney, yep. I think, was the running back. They yep. had they had some talent. Those were some good teams. Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman. Yep. Those teams could have been good. I, I wish the playoff would have been around when we were kids. The Me 14 too. playoff. Me we would have had some... We would have had some classic Because years. Alabama has just pulled so far away from the pack, and it's annoying. Yeah. No, it really is. It really is. You're waiting for someone to come back down to earth. They transfer like 15, 20 kids out every year who are five-star prospects who can't make it into the, the, the lineup. Depth chart, yeah. Yeah. It, it bothers me, but... I'm, and then they took a step up, like, you know, the only heel they ever had was they weren't a passing team. And now... And now they've got two up. Surgical precision back there. Yes. But it has me thinking, think of those games, like, what what would some of the, like, playoffs we would have had? We would have had Colt McCoy versus Sam Bradford versus Tim Tebow versus... Yeah. We would have had some really, really good runs. Think about that year that Alabama ended up playing LSU. 
and you had a f- really, really, really good TCU team. Probably the only, Andy te- Dalton. the only TCU team that ever could have won a national championship game. And then who else was in it? Then? Oregon was up there. Oregon, yeah. Kansas, Kansas State with Colin Klein was Kansas up there at the State time, too. Kansas State with Colin Klein, yeah. Those, again, you could have justified an 18 playoff back then. Yeah. I think it's more justifiable, justifiable then than it is now. Now you could probably just play a, a BCS-style two teams and in because Alabama's... It's Bama and who? It's Bama and who, essentially, like, right? Like Notre Dame's going to get... It's all a formality. The only way Notre Dame gets into the national championship game is if they play Clemson. Agreed. Because oh, yeah. if they play Georgia, because Georgia's probably going to get in if they keep it close against Alabama. See, I think Georgia's out. I think if Georgia keeps it close against Bama, they stay in. You think that even if Ohio State and Oklahoma win... Yeah, just because I think I see I don't know. I don't know. But if if Georgia somehow beats Alabama, then they're both in regardless. Which, yeah, I'm I want I want Bama to beat Georgia. I do I I want to see I want to see it's going to be probably Clemson Notre Dame and then Oklahoma Alabama. More than likely. I yeah. think I'd rather see Alabama Notre Dame in the first round just to see, see if, if Notre, Notre Dame for real out. get them out. Yep. Give me Clemson versus Oklahoma, that's a compelling game. That's something now, fun to watch. Listen, Notre Dame's a good ball team though. Now, what if they yeah. what if they come in really i bet they're preparing for clemson right now because they know what's going on yeah because they're going to blow out the acc championship game and and they probably won't change the standings as they sit right now um if notre dame beats clemson by two touchdowns i mean they would have been a disservice to have them play alabama in the first round i think they've proven more than clemson this year clemson is a damn good football team but if you just go by strength of schedule and and resume they haven't played any no, um, but I think it's I think it's compelling to see if Notre Dame is going to stay at three. Yeah, because the college football playoff committee they they all there's always something going on, mm-hmm. and you can always knock Notre Dame like well they haven't you know they don't have a conference championship yep. game and you know they don't really play you know outside of that Michigan game week one was it? Yep. And you know they really haven't played too many tough no. tough tests. No. Um, I think the point everyone keeps making that I kind of they agree with. They beat Northwestern and Syracuse. Those are only other two big yeah, ones. And Syracuse is very good this Syracuse year. Syracuse, I think, good. is back. Um, but what I think of is Ohio State, if they do what everyone's talking about, if they do what they did to Wisconsin a few years back to Northwestern, if they like 59 to nothing that. you got to put them in, right? I think you do. Yeah, because Northwestern is a good football team. See, Doug, Doug was laughing at me because I was like, you know, Ohio State lost to Purdue. Northwestern could... Could beat Ohio State. Yeah, Pat Fitzgerald not is a darn a good, good coach. football coach. Yeah, he's a good coach, and you know I think this is. We'll see where Urban Meyer, where his future lies. Yeah. If he wants to be at Ohio State for the long run, I think this will be a, an easy that. win for yeah. him. I think if he's on the way out, this Ohio State is going to they'll lose, and he'll be you know head coach of the Packers next year. Or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what's probably going to happen. And then we have Oklahoma in the playoff. So now that now I've got my head spinning a little bit here. A little coaching carousel for you. Uh-huh. Cliff Kingsbury fired from Texas Tech. Yep. He's kind of a lot of people are dubbing him the next Sean McVay. You know that good-looking young offensive mm-hmm. mind. Um, are I there, think he slides into an offensive coordinator role though before he can become a, another head coach. I would I agree with that. And I, I think say. he did the best job possible in Texas Tech that he could have. I agree. Lubbock is in the middle of nowhere. They think way too highly of their program in their in their athletics department. Yeah. No. They really Mike Leach. And them beating was it was it Florida or mm-hmm. Oak, or Tech? No, they beat Texas. Texas, yeah, they beat Texas. Uh, that was the best thing that ever happened to that yeah. school. That and Wes Welker uh, becoming a thing in the yes. NFL. <laughs> That's they it. could credit their entire program success yeah. to those those two. The events. fact that Cliff Kingsbury was able to bring in Baker Mayfield and Patty Mahomes. Yeah, 
So I think he slides into an offensive coordinator role. Now here's a here's an interesting zone for you. You put him as the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. You match him up with Aaron Rodgers. I think you got an interesting thing cooking there. I think that was compelling. I was going to say I feel like USC is a move for him. I think it USC could be a head coaching role for him too, honestly. If USC moves on from that guy, I think I, they'll likely hold on to him, but I, I agree. I agree 100%. Lin Sw- he and Lynn Swan are not getting along, though, and Clay Hilton. He oh, and really? Lynn Swan are kind of button heads now. I did not know that. Which is um, so interesting that Lynn Swan is the athletic director at uh, USC. Yeah. Um, but do you think – what do you think is the deal with Aaron Rodgers? Because did you see his brother's tweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's, what's your stance on that tweet? Because I, I thought the tweet was like not ex- – I get what – he means, but that's not that's not where you say that. You don't do it on no, Twitter. No, you text or call him unless Aaron doesn't have any of his family's numbers anymore. And yeah. again, I don't know what the dynamic is here. See, yeah, and see, that's but the thing. How, I don't know how, what happened. Do you think it's hard to find a coordinator that's going to work with Aaron? No, I don't, because I think Aaron Rodgers is a system breaker. I think you can. I think you can plug Aaron Rodgers into a lot of systems with his physical abilities. Yeah, and he works. But I'm talking on a person, on a personal level. Like I think so. Human being. I think he works well because I think he worked with Mike. He's worked with Mike McCarthy for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's been good up until now. And and it's because Mike McCarthy has just gone straight up vanilla. Mm-hmm. And um, he's you know, you talk about in 2010, he's super collaborative with Mike McCarthy, and they mm-hmm. come up together with the game plans and all that stuff I don't look and I love Aaron Rodgers obviously as much as I do I don't look at him as much of a student of the game as I do some other quarterbacks mm-hmm. you know what I mean for sure I think he's very much a work on his physical abilities kind of quarterback and that's mm-hmm. why he's so good in the two minute drill and at the end of games and sometimes you see a little bit of a lapse when in it's between yeah yeah um so then so if you put him with a great mind I think he's all for it um so do you think what do you think the future is here with Aaron Rodgers then? Because Cowherd made a great point this morning. Because he took this big contract, He's, if you look, the teams that are having success in the NFL are on cheap quarterback contracts. Yep, yep. So do you think Aaron shoots himself in the foot a little bit there, knowing that he's going to have to play with, you know, these Devontae Adams and then, you know, the band of misfit toys? Now, here's what was interesting about his new contract that I don't think Cowherd touched on today, and I watched that. It's front loaded. Yeah, yeah. So, no, he's making like within the first two years, seventy million yep, or something is already yep. going to be off the books. Yep. So you can back you can backload the heck out of it. Um, and then do the do the old trick where you convert it to signing bonuses correct. to take it off the cap. Tom Brady, notorious Tom Brady, for doing notorious that. for it. Yep. And uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, honestly, with how much money he's going to be making, would be willing to restructure if he gets You'd another so. ring. You'd hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. But I think I don't know. I just don't view Aaron Rodgers as a guy who's too worried about the money. You know what I mean? He waited a long time in between because he took a he took basically a bridge deal, a bridge deal, yeah, mm-hmm. to get him to this deal. And I, I think, listen, him securing that deal with the Packers says something about his loyalty, which is good. That's a I, good thing to see. I was gonna say, what would it take for this to fall off the rails and for and him to leave, for him to not be a Packer anymore? What would need to happen there? Because people seem to talk about it like, oh, well, you know, and oh, he'll never leave. But I mean, Favre left. Favre you know, did leave. Favre left. So you know it's, you know it's obscene to think of right now, but anything is possible. Do you see any way where Aaron Rodgers isn't a Packer? No, because I think he is so um, understanding of what happened to Brett Favre, and I think he watched it, and I think he watched the de- firsthand experience to say, "All right, this is yeah, what, this, this is, is what not, not to do. <laughs> this is not what I want to do." Because yeah. he saw the destruction. I think the Packers have to do him. So dirty that even the Packer fans are like, "All right, you can go." You know what I mean? 
Like you're not even betraying us anymore. Yeah. And I don't I just don't see a scenario because he's still the golden boy there. And he will be the golden boy probably till he retires because that's the way the Packers are. For sure. Um if Clay Matthews can get another deal, then Aaron Rodgers will be the golden boy forever. You know what I mean? I was gonna say, I was just gonna hit you with the Clay Matthews thing. Give me maybe just a little, you know, pick and choose maybe your top two of each players that the Packers kept that you wish you should have let walk, and maybe a couple you let walk that were like we should have let those guys stick around because Clay Matthews is the first yep. one that comes to mind. <laughs> yep. So Clay Matthews should have gone three years ago. Um, people forget that he, the middle of his career, kind of got f u c k e d because he had to move to middle linebacker because we had so many injuries. Yes. So all the pass rushing statistics he could have got up. He was on the way to having a defensive player of the year season when they moved him to middle linebacker. So about three years ago they should have let go of him. Um, uh, this started with. Uh, a move they made with Charles Woodson that eventually led them to part ways. Charles Woodson should never have been mo- moved to safety the final year hit with Green Bay. Um, let him play corner. He he was still a physical freak. He had three Pro Bowl, one All-Pro years with the Raiders when he left. But I don't think he was a Pro Bowler with the Raiders as a corner, though. You think he still could have hung at corner? I still think he could have hung at corner. Because you guys, at that time, you would have had what? Nick Collins? Was he still on the team nope, at that Nick point? No, Nick Collins had broken his back at that point. He was so out. So he was still Dunsky, okay. Yep. And So, so you Morgan had, Burnett and who? And Sam Shields. Okay, that would have worked. That would have worked, but I think it was Morgan Burnett's rookie year. Oh, okay. I think you play him as a nickel. For sure. And you let... Because they're coming off a year where they were the number three defense in the in the league yeah. the year before, so you put him in in a, in a nickel situation, you and you move uh, Charles Woodson up, and then you know that eventually led to the split there. Um, and I'll touch on one more player that I'm upset that they let go, AJ Hawk. They let go just I think about two years early. He was a bangle. I he think, was a bangle shortly after, yes, like and, a year or two, and then yep, that was it. Yep, and that was it. And AJ Hawk was finally playing good football when they let him go. Yeah. Like. He